is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios in the Miracle Mile. Not in studio, but I got him on the line. I got my man, Greg Biggins. GB, what it do? Keith, what's up? How are you? Doing great. Thank you very much, sir. It's a Tuesday. Recording live here on a Tuesday. Excited about today's show. We've got Recruiting With You, The GOAT. We have our top performers from the West Coast. We're going to recap last Friday's games. A couple upsets, GB, that put us in shock and awe. Then we're going to get to our midseason awards. The first team all-transparent truth team and players of the, and coaches of the year. So without further ado, GB. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Hit us with recruiting, my man. So pretty heavy visit weekend. A um, couple of headliners out west took their official trips through McCoy. Got no rest at all. He flew uh, out early, early Saturday morning to the University of Washington after that physical battle against IMG Academy over the weekend. Talked briefly with Pops McCoy. Haven't connected with Brew just yet, but basically the kid got about three hours of sleep Friday night and about three hours of sleep on Saturday night. So he loved the trip to Washington, though. Family loved it out there. He visited Texas a couple weeks ago. And uh, I still think USC is the team to beat. Alabama is involved. So is Oklahoma. But Washington always does a great job. And, uh, again, I don't necessarily think they're going to land Brew McCoy, but they really put their best foot forward and uh, did a nice job with him. You know what? In terms of what the family is looking for, and, and I, you and I both know the family pretty well, and what Brew is looking for in the school, I think Washington is going to be a heavy player down to the 11th and 12th hour, GB. They offer a wide range of high-level studies, uh, a tremendous coaching staff, and a life-after-football program. So uh, as moving forward in Brew McCoy's recruitment, I think Washington will play a key factor in his decision-making down the road. Yeah, they're I think they're going to be in his top three. I just yeah. feel like the gap between one and two and three are, are pretty significant right now just because the kid was just, he was bred to go to USC. Some guys are like that. Yeah. Uh, big visit weekend for the Oregon Ducks. They had ESPN game day. They had Stanford visiting. Did you watch any of that game, Keith? I mean, I, I may have caught a play, Greg. It was insane. It was about to be 31 to 7. Yeah. Um, they got down to the one yard line and they are up 24 to 7. It's not even a game. They're blowing Stanford out. They're bullying Stanford on both sides of the ball. 24 to 7. Snap over the quarterback's head. Stanford picks it up, runs into for a touchdown. Now it's 24 to 14. Stanford three and out scores. Now it's 24 to 21. End up going to overtime and losing. Uh, Oregon does, but literally talk about a game just changing on just one big play. And I'm not saying 31 to seven is insurmountable, but it's a heck of a lot closer than 20 to 14. I digress, Keith. There are some big time talent out there, two of the top juniors in the country, DJ Wooey Unalale and Savelle Smalls. 
both took unofficial visits to Oregon. I think right now Oregon is doing great with both kids. I think uh, Clemson and Oregon are the top two for DJ. A couple other schools hanging around. He's going to visit Auburn uh, in November. He's going to visit Clemson in October. Um, who else is involved? Alabama's still in there. UCLA's trying to hang in there. Uh, I think there's another school. Georgia is still around. But uh, right now, I think the top two are Oregon and Clemson. He told me he loved the trip. I talked to him Sunday morning when they were kind of flying out of there. Him and Trent McDuffie, also uh, big Trent, talented, talented DB, took his unofficial visit. That was going to be an official, but ended up being just an unofficial. Mm -hmm. So Bosco had a bye over the weekend. Uh, so Trent loved it too. Um, the way I would kind of handicap that one right now with Trent is I think if he can get past Stanford's admission, which is never a guarantee, there's kind of a myth out there that people think, oh, if they want you bad enough, they can clear you. No, no, and no, way. no. I can give you three or four names every year of guys who want to go to Stanford that they can't get in there. Big name guys. Sure. For sure. So, and again, I don't want to embarrass kids because no one wants to, you know, be the guy who can't get into school. So, You'll see a Stanford doing really well with the kid, and then all of a sudden you'll see the player all of a sudden, you know, cut Stanford and look at other schools, and that's always code for you didn't get in. So uh, <laughs> if Trent can get in, and uh, I think he, you know, he can, I think there's a team to beat. If he isn't able to, then look out for Oregon, look out for Washington, or Trent McDuffie. And then uh, Sonal Small is obviously big time, top five junior uh, Alabama is the school that I think a lot of people, uh, including our guy Brendan Huffman, mentioned quite a bit. Uh, but Oregon, that's his second visit there this year, Keith. So when you go to a school twice on your own dime, that's kind of a big deal. There's Huge no deal. No, no question about it. I think Trent fits. Uh, he's a he's a he fits the mode of the defensive back that they want. Speaking with Coach Keith Hayward, very recently he talked about finding kids who. Um, have the size to play that safety position, but I have the def the cornerback covering ability to also uh, roll down, be a nickel guy, step to the outside, play the wide out, or be the safety guy playing in kind of a cover four scheme, which is virtually man to man on a vertical route. Trimming McDuffie definitely fits that mold. He's got a terrific skill set. He's got great speed as he's also a track guy, and uh, I think it's going to come down to that Washington Oregon battle, GB. Watch out, watch out for Stanford, Keith. Because I think that's where his that's where his heart's at right now. But again, you got to clear admissions, and uh, Dwayne Aquina is one of the elite DB coaches in the country. So that'll be interesting. Talking to a couple of Bosco coaches, man, they said not only has Trent probably been their their best DB, but maybe their best defensive player this year. He, he's having a really good year. Yeah, yeah a, a few more guys who visited over the weekend. This is all Oregon um, unofficially. Some really top top twenty twenty kids. Jalen Jalen McMillan uh, from San Joaquin Memorial. I'll tell you what, Keith, uh, we talked a lot about, you know, some of the great kids in SoCal, Johnny Wilson and Gary Bryant, Bryce Farrell, Elby Bunkley, uh, Chris Hudson. You watch Jalen McMillan's tape, and he, he probably has the best tape out of any of those guys this year. Mm. Before all is said and done, we might be saying Jalen McMillan is the, for some reason that's hard for me to say, Jalen McMillan is a, might be the top receiver out West in that 2020 class. Wow. Speaking, that's... he's good. He's watch, watch his tape. And that's the dog freaking out for no reason. Um, He's co-signing your Jalen McMillan statement. <laughs> the dog is all about Jalen McMillan, and I'm, I'm not about this dog. Chief <laughs> Scott is another guy who was up at Oregon. Aiden Hector and DJ Rogers. Uh, all those kids are from Eastside Catholic High School. Big time, big time 
uh, players from that school um, also were there. So uh, Oregon, they do probably a better job than anybody else at getting kids on campus. They really work hard at it. And again, hats off to the staff. Uh, Jonah Tawanu was there, uh, already committed. So uh, that was a big deal. And then uh, Braylon Trice from Sandra Day O'Connor in Arizona, one of the top defensive ends was there on his official visit. And I think they got a pretty good chance with him. So uh, overall, good job by the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau took his uh, official visit to Alabama. Loved it as expected. I think most people kind of do enjoy their official visits, especially when they go to Alabama. Tosh Lupoy, Jeff Banks doing a great job recruiting Kayvon. And obviously they had a big win, as they tend to do. How about Tua Tagovailoa? Just dealing all over the yard right now. I love Tua. Love that guy. But, uh, no, Kayvon, definitely. It's an Alabama-Florida State race right now, Keith. That's an interesting one, and it's going to have lots of twists and turns before it's all said and done. Drake Jackson, Keith. Yeah. Guess where he went to? Illinois? So you are just all over the recruiting scoop right now. Come on now. So I talked to Drake a little bit last night. He liked it, said all the right things. I just don't see that one happening at all. I think Drake is looking, uh, again, I think USC, Oregon, probably his top two. And uh, he is going to visit Arizona State this weekend. Our guy Antonio Pierce working really, really hard with Drake Jackson. So that is good. That is good for, uh, for ASU to be doing some work. And then USC had their uh, home game. So they had a ton of players on campus. Uh, Clark Phillips, Jack Yeri, tied in from Miro to Valley. Uh, Chris Steele, Chris Hudson, Jude Wolf. All those guys were already committed along with a ton of other players. So no commitments this past week. Oh, uh, kind of piggybacking on the Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Mark Redman and Ethan Garbers from Corner Del Mar both also unofficially unofficially visited, visited Alabama wow. this past weekend too. Yeah, so again, it's always, when a kid takes, uh, you know, uses his own dime, to go on a visit, you always know there's some, some serious interest there. No so, question. No commitment, uh, but we did have a, a decommitment. Not too much of a shocker because these things never work when you commit this early, but... <laughs> I know where you hit it with this one. <laughs> Seven McGee, uh, who's back east in Rochester, New York right now. Uh, he is only a sophomore, 2021, but gave an early commitment to Oregon. He backed off that one on Monday. Uh, told me, you know what, just too early. Talked to my family. And they want me to go through the process. Still loves Oregon. They're still the team to beat. They're still going to recruit him. But he just wants to have all of his options and kind of didn't want to take trips and have people saying, why are you taking trips when you are already committed? So he kind of want to just get the commitment out, you know, just to drop the commitment so he can kind of take these trips without feeling like he's tied down to any particular school. Yeah, kind of call this one a little while back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Seven McGee is a great kid. Number one, excellent football player, student athlete, number two. Number three, I'm glad that his family intervened and I'm glad that um, he took into consideration and, and made the move to back off the commitment. Uh, I think at this point in time, you're a sophomore. You need to take your time. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. Look at all your options. You know, coaches who are here at the places they are now, they might not be there in two to three years, Greg. And seven probably should take his time and allow himself to go through the process uh, to find the best fit for himself. And he will. And hopefully he comes back home 
after this season. Um, that'd be good. I think there's a chance he will do that. So, uh, yeah, that would be good to get Simmons back here. I think if he does come back, I think he'll go back to Narbonne, where he was actually loving life. And that'll be good for, for, for both parties. But uh, Oregon Ducks still the team to beat. Watch out for USC. They're always in the mix there as well. And he's going to get offers from everybody before it's all said and done. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Is that all you got, GB? That's it, Keith. That is it. For hey. recruiting those, yep. Hey, hey. Recruiting. Recruiting is always... It's 365. I, it does it not is. stop. It is. It's. It's. I see why they pay you so much money, GB. Uh, recruiting is is 24/7. It's 365. You got these seventh graders committing. You got ninth, tenth graders decommitting. You got guys flipping at the twelfth hour on signing day. Is there's never a dull moment? It seems in recruiting. And I see why it's taking on a life of its own in terms of social media, um, internet sites. Analysts, the whole deal, like it's a, it's it's its own entity. Just football recruiting, and I think that there's more coverage probably out there for it, and there's a bigger space for it. Uh, but I'm not the one to gossip, so you ain't heard it from me. Yeah, you know it's funny is how much things have changed since when I first started. Hmm. When I was covering guys like yourself, yeah, ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, I was at my mom's house a couple <laughs> nights ago. True story. And when I was working for student sports, there was no internet um, sites. There was no online recruiting. If you wanted to know what was going on, we had a monthly magazine where we would actually put recruiting notes like yes. about you know being out of date, right, when it's in print. Or you had a 900 phone number. And my mom showed me this album where they actually, I didn't know this, they actually cut and saved every article I ever wrote hmm. and put it in the album. They're having their house painted, and so my mom showed me the album. Uh, every article I ever wrote was in there, and I was going, dude, times have changed quite a bit from when, uh, you know, you have to be a month late to find out what a kid was doing to now where it's like, dude, these kids tweet out, you know, everything from favorites to, you know, commitments to trips to everything in between, so... For the fan, it's uh, it's easy to go find out what's going on, and I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan of all the social media interaction between some of these knucklehead fans <laughs> and kids, but uh, that's where it's all going. Yeah, it's just it's it's uh, it's taking on a life of its own, and that's just I think it's just a part of it, right? It's just a piece of it. I don't think where anybody's a fan of it, but it's just kind of you know it comes with the beast of recruiting, and uh, nevertheless. It supplies a lot of jobs for a lot of people, and it definitely keeps uh, viewers and fans and football coaches up to speed and up to breath. So thank you, GB, for all your recruiting nuggets, my friend. It's time to move on. It's time to get to our Sleeper of the Week. It's time for our Sit and Sleep Sleeper of the Week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. 
They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right. So, GB, you know what? It's time for our sleeper week, but I think we go top performers first, don't we? You can do whatever you want to do, man. It's totally up to you. <laughs> I can do whatever I want to do. I like I like how that's said, and you know what? I think I'm going to go in and do that. Um, so this week's sleeper of the week, we and, and you know what? I'm a little tired, GB. I'm a little tired of something that I call overlooking good football players, and this kid is not just a good football player. He's been a known entity for a very long time. From the city of Cerritos, grew up playing for the Cerritos Steelers, running back out of modern-day high school. I'm talking none other than Mr. Shakobi Harper. Big-time, big-time player. Great performance versus elite talent and I did not see anything that should be keeping college coaches away from offering this kid a scholarship can he run it he can run it he can run it between the tackles he's got enough speed to bounce it to the outside he finishes with physicality he can catch the ball extremely well out of the backfield he can break tackles he can make people miss He's a terrific blitz pickup running back. He's a team leader. He's an outstanding student, outstanding individual. I don't want to hear about these 5'7". Running backs, the production or their ability to produce is not based on how tall they are. Have you ever heard of Emmett Smith? Have you ever heard of Barry Sanders? Have you ever heard of Darren Sproles? Have you ever heard of the little Megget? Watch the little Megget run. Dave Megget. This kid has been a good football player since I first saw him in eighth grade. He's still a very good football player. Shout out to offensive coordinator at the University of Howard, Brennan Marion. Dynamic football coach. Only guy to offer Shakobia scholarship at Howard University. And it was well-deserved. Obviously, Brennan sees what I see, what we see, Greg. And I'm not sure what else these college coaches want from this kid. Um, Hopefully, after that big-time performance that he had against IMG, scholarship offers will be coming down the pipe because they're they're deserving. And I'm on the table for him. Not literally, but I'm figuring I'm on the table for him. This kid can compete at a high level. He has a, a great football IQ. He's got tremendous instincts as a runner. And he plays with a huge heart, Greg. A huge heart. He was a huge piece to modern day's win this past Friday versus IMG. His ability to catch, block, run, the whole nine. Be a leader. Throw the first punch. Love Shakobi Harper, man. So, Shakobi, Glenn, Harper family, this is for you. Transparent True Sleeper of the Week, Jacoby Harper, running back, 2019, Modern Day High School. Congratulations. GB, what are your thoughts? I want, I want, are you, are you Facebook Live right now doing your Sleeper of the Week? No, I'm not. Okay, I want to see you actually on top of the table. I want you to stand on top of the table and have Andrew 
video you <laughs> on the table. Get on the table for this guy. I want to see it literatively, literatively, literally and figuratively. You might. That you, would be a beautiful thing. Hey, um, you, no, you, that's I, a great I idea. Agree, Keith, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Just, just being the devil's advocate. Um, I think the five seven thing is a concern. Um, all from a from a college perspective, not, not from a Greg Biggins, Keith Miller, just from a college offered perspective. If you're five seven five eight, you got to be four three four four, and all those guys you named, other than Emmett Smith, but Barry Sanders, um, you didn't name him, but Maurice Jones Drew, yeah. ten five hundred meters. Darren Sproles was four two four three. Um, all those guys were blazers. Whereas Jacoby, he's five seven, and he he's not a. Uh, He's not a burner either, so it's kind of like you got to have one or the other. But for me, I will echo everything you said. I mean, he is a football player. I value toughness over anything. You talk to anybody at modern day, they say he is probably the most devastating running back from a blitz standpoint they've ever had. I mean, this guy will absolutely level you. Tremendous heart. Always plays big in big games. You look at some of the games they had last year against Bosco. Kobe always came up big. He just... He's a kid who I think he loves the big stage, and he's tough, and he doesn't shy away from it, and he uh, he's not intimidated by anything. No, and uh, man, he's a great kid. I I talked to him very uh very godly kid. You know, he said, "Hey, I I have a strong thing that's going to happen for me. It could be now, it could be the end of the year, but something's going to happen for me. I'm just going to be patient and wait for it and keep working." So, amen. Hopefully, if it happens tomorrow or if it happens week 14, I know the kid's going to be excited and, you know, ready to go. And, yeah, man, he, he can play for sure. I'm, I'm excited for him, and hopefully some good things will happen for him. And you know what? I just want to say this, Greg, before we move on to a different segment. Jacoby and the Harper family, don't sleep on Howard University. HBCU, a very good football program, a very dynamic offense led by Coach Brendan Marion, they show that love. They've stuck by that love. And I know that bigger schools, bigger, FBF schools may come calling. But I'm going to urge the urge to you that these guys at Howard, they believed in you. They saw it in you. They trusted in you. I think you might want to give them a shot. I think it's actually a good level for Jacoby to go and and really, really show his mettle. Um, I think it's a it's a great offense for him to be in. They run that kind of retro spread over there at Howard. Um, they they almost upset who was it Ohio the first game of the season they lost 37-32. Remember they upset UNLV last year and put up 600 yards of total offense the first game last year. So this is a very good offensive football team. Uh, head coach Mike London used to be the head coach of the University of Virginia. Knows how to develop players and put together a program. Again, I wouldn't overlook Howard. Tremendous alumni base. One of the most famous, Sean P. Diddy Combs. You know, close to being a billionaire. You never know. Jacoby, Harper family, Howard Bison. Don't sleep. Let's move along, GB. Yeah, I had no idea Mike London was the head coach. That's awesome. I, I always, I always liked him. Absolutely. Oh, he's a yes. Solid. So absolutely. A great, that's a great, uh, a great hire. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. He's a great coach, uh, an outstanding man. I, I know I've, I've met him at a couple of coaching conventions, and he's an outstanding gentleman uh, as long as being a good football coach. So moving along, we got our top formers, GB. I'll start it off here, my man. We'll go with quarterback Bryce Young with an unbelievable performance, especially in the second half. He went 19 for 30, 309 yards, two touchdowns, passing, one rushing. How about running back Lontrell Diggs out of Grace Brethren? 34 carries, 178 and a touchdown. He was a bulldozer versus Westlake. Quarterback Miles Herrera, Redlands East, 402 yards, five touchdowns. Athlete. Max Garrison, a freshman, 2022 GB. Watch out for this kid. St. Francis High School with five total touchdowns. Quarterback Blake Sturgill out of Moore Park. 305 yards passing, six touchdowns. And his wide receiver, Hunter Milton, out of Moore Park, three touchdown receptions. Uh, I also have, lastly in SoCal, or at least the southern section, running back Elijah Juarez. Second big week in a row from Long Beach Poly, 239 yards rushing. Two touchdowns, one receiving touchdowns, and the Jackrabbits get another win. GB? Good for Elijah Warred. So I got a couple, too. I'm just going to give a few, four or five, and then I'll let you go yeah. the rest of the way. Uh, how about Luca Diamant from Venice? 20 of 34, 284 yards, four touchdowns, 83 yards rushing in their dramatic come-from-behind win over my fighting Michael Fletchers. Yeah. What the heck is going on over there? Come on, Fletch. Kelly Arnold? Come on, Fletch. <laughs> Kelly Arnold. Yes, GB. Go with a it. 94-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, a 72-yard punt return where he was zigging and zagging, looking like Gale Sayers. Got down to the two-yard line. They would punch that one in. Also had a 47-yard touchdown reception. Guy just does it. Yeah. On both sides of the ball. Joey Yellen, another nice game for him. 267 and two touchdowns. And Jamari Farrell, all Mission Viejo kids. 171 rushing, two touchdowns. L.B. Bunkley had eight catches for 71 yards and also two interceptions, Keith. Two. That's three for L.B. Bunkley. Doing some work at safety. And then Jake Garcia made a nice debut for the Narbonne Gauchos in a tough win over the fighting Travis Clarks over at Lawndale. Jake was 20-30 for three, 28, and two touchdowns. No interceptions. He got the passing game working for Narbonne. And Keith, that is it for me. Take it all the way. Oh, take it home. I'm going to take it through the West Coast. I'm going to rip through it, GB. Let's go down to San Diego, running back from Orange Glen High School, Kyle Patterson, 36 carries, 258 yards, and three touchdowns. Repeat performer. Every week you can mark this guy down. He's going to be on our list. Running back, Jamon McClendon, 365 yards, four touchdowns on 28 carries for Mona Vista. How about Bonita Vista's Roland Cota scored touchdowns, receiving from 28 and 53 yards out, rushing from 29 yards out, and had a 98-yard kickoff return. That's four total for Mr. Cota from Bonita Vista. How about Kenneth Watson? He rushed 15 times for 233 yards and two touchdowns, including an 80-yarder for Steel Canyon. I bet you know this guy, Greg. Mira Mesa quarterback Noah Tumblin, 13 for 18, 300 yards, two touchdowns. Plus, he gained 100 yards, excuse me, 108 yards on the ground on 14 carries and a touchdown. Great performance by him. Let's take it to NorCal really quick. Linebacker, running back, De La Salle High School, Henry Taoto, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy, All American, 136 yards. And 13 tackles on defense. Athlete Zachary Larrier out of Monterey Trails. Two touchdowns rushing. Two touchdowns receiving. 
and two interceptions. <laughs> Productive day for him. Quarterback Jay Butterfield out of Liberty, he threw five touchdowns. He's had an excellent season so far. Running back Dawson Fay out of Nevada Union. We've had this guy on before. 205 yards rushing. Running back Aaron Espero from Indurkham. Shout out to my boy Coach T. Three touchdowns rushing. Wide receiver Jameel Shepard out of Palo Alto. He had seven catches, 221, and three touchdowns. Running back Isaiah Newell out of Los, Las Lomas had 245 yards and three touchdowns on 19 carries. We'll also finish that NorCal off with uh, Cameron Scabetto, Skadibo. That's Rio Linda High School, 276 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and he had a 95-yard kickoff return in a 70-50 win over Foothill. Is anybody playing defense up north? Doesn't feel like it. Let's take it to the Pacific Northwest. Quarterback Michael Johnson Jr., the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy, All-American quarterback, threw for 200 yards and four touchdowns, ran for 150 and another touchdown. Tremendous skill set by Johnson Jr., and he lit it up. And then running back Alamar Alexander from Columbia, 348 yards and seven touchdowns, GB. And that's all I got for you, my man, for my top performers. Kind of an abbreviated version of stats. Stars of the week. Yeah, a little abbreviated version because we got something to get to, GB. We what gotta, is that? We've got to get to our all-transparent truth mid-season team. We got mid-season awards, ladies and gentlemen. The all-transparent truth mid-season team. And I got some surprises on here, GB. We're going to start off with our coach of the year. I think we both agree on this one. Outstanding job done by former Bosco office coordinator, now head coach of the Mission Viejo Diablos, Chad Johnson. I think they're 5-0 and right now. They've taken down two Trinity League teams. 6-0. and 6-0, excuse me. Haven't had, haven't had their bye yet, like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, good point. Haven't had their bye. Chad's doing an, a great job, not just coaching offense, though. He's coaching all three phases. Special teams have been... Very impactful. Defense has played well, especially in spurts on the back end. And the offense has been dynamic and explosive. So, uh, GB, your thoughts on Coach of the Year there? Oh, easy. Easy call. And obviously, there's a lot of teams that are undefeated right now. You can kind of give a a shout-out to a lot of coaches, but I don't want to be that guy who shouts out 18 different coaches. Right, right. No, make a decision. Yeah. No, you got to understand, you know, he walked into – he walked into a good situation. Mission Viejo, the cupboard was definitely not there. Right. Um, they had a lot of talent, but I feel like Chad has upgraded the strength and conditioning program there by leaps and bounds. Players have told me that, and he's doing a great job with Joey Yellen, who I'm going to go ahead and, and tease. I know quarterback-wise, Keith, we're going to probably have Bryce or DJ, but Joey's going to be my guy for first-half quarterback of the year, just, just, just to be different. Hey, come on, Greg. You're, you're jumping just, way ahead of me, man. Know, you're taking different. my shine. You're jumping way ahead of me. I feel you're like you're Bryce. hating right now. Come on. We're gonna go, you're going to go Bryce. We know that. We all know that. Uh, wait, wait, There's nothing l- wrong with that. Listen, listen you're, way, you're jumping way ahead of me, and I'm going to need to pump your brakes because I want to go to my player of the year right now. Through the first half of the season, my player of the year is Brew McCoy. He's done it on both sides so, of the ball. What, what kind of award show is this? You start off with coach, you're now MVP. We got to work your way up. You got to go quarterback, running back. Okay, 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 okay. Let me slow down. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine. Let's go to my quarterback. My Give first, quarterback. my first team quarterback. And I only did the first team. 
is quarterback okay. Joey Yellen out of Mission Viejo. Get out of here. You're, you're still in my thunder. Greg, I'm looking right at it. Joey Yellen. Screenshot that right now and put it on Facebook. I, okay. I don't I, believe you. I'm going to screenshot it right now, and I'm going to put it on Facebook. My running back, Jordan Wilmore out of Londale, running back Zach Charbonnet out of Oaks Christian. What you got? You just went with two. You can't have two. You can have two backs, GB. There's 11 players on the field. No, we want we want one player. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jordan Wilscore. Yep. But I gotta go with Zach Charbonnet, who for me has established himself as the top back, not just in Southern California, Keith, not just California, not the West Coast. Okay, just the West Coast. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because I, woo, Lord, have mercy. There's a guy at IMG. It's not bad. <laughs> I was, but, I was, uh, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna reel you back in, big fella. I was gonna reel you back in. A little carried away. A little carried away. Yeah. Stop at the West Coast. I'm yeah. Put my foot down right there, but I will say top five back nationally, and I'm going with Zach Turbinay. Who is your receiver? My receivers. All transparent truth. Midseason award. Jason Heller, out of Westlake. And wide receiver Kyle Ford out of Orange Lutheran. What you got? Beautiful. I like it. I like those two guys. I was going to go with Jason Heller. I was only going to pick one guy per position, but obviously you can't go wrong with Kyle Ford. He definitely would be a, a top two guy for me. But if I'm going to spread my wings a little bit and go to Northern California, I mentioned him before, Jalen McMillan. The tape is electric, Keith. So I got I got to see Jaylen, the tape, GB. Jalen and Jason Heller will be my two guys. Okay. Love Kyle Ford. You, you got uh, going to go with the tight end here or no tight end? I am going to go with the tight end here. Uh, I'm going to go tight end out of St. John Bosco, Jude Wolf, who I thought has been fantastic so far this season. I would agree. No, uh, nothing to add to that. Okay. Let's, Wolf. let's take it to the, <laughs> the offensive line. I'll start off with Donovan West out of Alamany. Offensive lineman Ryan Suliafu out of J. Sarah. Center George Mikey Hahn out of Modern Day. Offensive lineman Hunter Kennelly out of Mission Viejo. And then offensive lineman out of Modern Day Miles Morale. That is a good list. Again, I was going to go with just one guy, maybe because I just watched the tape, but Drake <laughs> Metcalf from St. John Bosco has yeah. my favorite first half highlight tape so far. Um, but that is a great list of guys, and I would not argue with any of those guys. So I'll, I'll take those five, yeah. and uh, I'll throw in Drake. So I got a six-man line. Yeah, Drake was – yeah. get past us. Yeah, Drake was right on my fringe. I mean, I was trying to get him in – he was right on the – he was like the sixth guy. I do want to say that uh, Ryan Suliafu has been outstanding for Jay Sarah. Donovan West has been very, very good for Alamany. George Mikey Hahn, if you look at the tape from IMG, man, it was so impressive from George. Hunter Canelli from Mission Viejo, he's been the anchor at left tackle uh, for the Diablos. And then Miles Morale has been you know, extremely good, as he always is. I want to go with my athlete – for the first half of the season athlete, I'm going to go with junior La Habra High School, Clark Phillips. I love Clark. Let me clear my throat. I'm going to put you on mute. There, I just, I just cleared my throat. Um, I'm going to go with Achille Arnold as my athlete. Okay. But I would definitely have Clark on my defensive back team if I was going to go with a four-man secondary. And just to piggyback on your O-line, Donovan West, I love. He would be my number two guy. Okay. So, uh, I like Donovan. Obviously, he played against high-level competition, did a great job against Kayvon Thibodeau, and uh, I'm a big fan of West. But Clark Phillips, don't want to skip ahead. He'd be one of my four DBs. But for my athlete, I'm going to go with a guy we call Achille Arnold. 
double A, AA, go have a drink. Let's take it to the defensive. You see what I did there, GV? You see what I, I did? I see what you did there. Okay. Let's go with our defensive line. I want to start off with Sean Nielsen out of J. Sarah. Good call. Go look at his tape. Man, he has been very like impressive. That. Very impressive. Um, I've got four guys. Drake Jackson has been awesome. Blocking punts. Yes, sacking quarterbacks. Running things back for touchdowns. Keon Ware Hudson, who I thought really stood out, especially in the first half versus IMG. Uh, Keon looks great. And then my fourth guy, or not my fourth guy, but the, to finish off my defensive line, number one prospect, Kayvon Thibodeau, still a man amongst boys. I mean, you're watching different film than I am of Kayvon. Uh, if, if he's a man amongst boys, yeah, I know he can get bored sometimes. That's not that's not my that's not my concern. What is what would be the concern? If you're talking about an all first half team, it shouldn't be a guy who's dominated in the first half. Yeah, who? Yeah, produ- yeah, dominant production. Yeah, and, and he's done neither. He, well, in five games, he has seven sacks. He has six sacks, and I've seen three I'm, of the games. I'm sorry, six sacks. Two of those sacks were the guy fell in front of him. Hey, Greg. I can't. Hey, I, I can't apologize team, if, if team, I beat the other team by hundred points. I gotta play who's in front of me. What does that have to do with a guy dominating or not? I don't care if they win by a hundred or by two. If you just watch his play, he has not dominated in any game so far, except for the game they played against Bakersfield Christian or whatever. But I just—that's your boy. I know you're on the table for him. But this past week, I thought we, we saw what a real dominant defensive end looks like. And it definitely was not your guy from Oaks Christian. There's a different level of domination if Man Among Boys is what you've seen out of Kayvon. If this is a prospect list, he's on there for sure. Because he's got as much upside as everybody. But if we're basing this on what we've seen with our eyes through five games of videotape, I have not seen a dominant defensive end in any of the games that I've seen him. And I've seen, I've seen three of them. And I'm watching him. You, you, Specifically, so him. You Every went play. to the you went to the honor bowl versus Eastside. Didn't he have a amazing strip sack where he blasts the quarterback in the back of the head? And that's my biggest issue with him. He makes one play every game, kind of again similar to the Shamanad game, similar to the Alameda game. He'll make one play, right. and he'll disappear for three quarters. Again, that's not a do- that's not a dominant player for me. Again, nobody makes the plays that he can make or that he does make, but I do understand him getting bored. I do understand that. So that all factors into me. Let's take it. Do you have anybody else for your defensive line group other than what I have? I just, I just went uh, I went with Sean Nelson, Drake Jack. I just went with two guys. Okay. Drake, for me, has been has been the, the guy for me, number mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I love the Sean Nelson pick. I think that's very, very deserving. I like those guys that no one else is talking about, but very productive and Absolutely deserving. Okay, let's take it to the linebackers. I'm going to start it off with Jaden Genova, the sophomore from J. Sarah, leading his team in tackles, multiple sacks, big sack on um, who's our guy in Arizona, the quarterback, Spencer Rattler, Rattler. to to basically to clinch the game. Jaden Genova has been very, very high level in the first half of the season. Do an outstanding job. Justin Flo, he's a man amongst boys. He's more physical than anybody else out there. And he seems as if he's not from our side of the country. He seems like he's from the other side. 
down in the south somewhere. And then I'm going to go Moses Sepalano. Am I saying that correctly, Greg? Yep. I Listen, I'm not a big fan of guys or teams or units who give up 300 yards rushing. But this kid flashed with some big plays versus IMG. And I get it. You know, he's an undersized kid. ING, they're huge up front and their backs are extremely physical. But Moses made some plays in uh, against Gorman. He was fantastic. And he's been really good every game this year, to be honest. Uh, and I know kind of IMG wore modern day down. And those backs are just, you know, they're a, a, a headache to deal with. But Moses Cepelano, I think, is deserving of an all transparent truth first, first, uh, first team midseason award. So I, I, Justin Flo for me is the obvious one. Probably uh, up there, one of the two or three best performances I've seen this year was his game against Mission Viejo. Um, I like the Moses pick, but I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you still Dubar, who was the dominant linebacker in that game against IMG with the 15 tackles. The kid was all over the field, sat on the sideline, taking on guys that weighed 340 pounds. He's a 205 pound kid, soaking wet and making plays. Um, and I literally just watched the tape before the IMG game. I really like Steele. I'm not sure what he is at the next level. Is he a safety? Is he an outside linebacker? Is he one of those guys that kind of plays almost like a rover backer? But still, Dubar is definitely a football player. It kind of reminds me of all those old school modern day guys the past. Um, so I'm just going to go with still Dubar mm-hmm. because of his performance with IMG. I'm going to go with Justin Flo because it's the obvious call and it's the right call so I got just those two backers okay that's solid uh, and I like Steel Dubar by the way uh, I have since last year I know he does have a Nevada offer if I'm not mistaken and I think he'll be an outside backer the next level he's going to need to train as a defensive back this offseason so that's just a little nugget for he and his parents but I do like him as a football player and I think you're right Let's take it to the defensive backs really quick. I got Fam, excuse me, Fam, Cam uh, Fabiculanen, <laughs> Cam Fabiculanen, who's been spectacular at safety at corner when they need a matchup, locking up on guys, picking off the ball, making plays. Elias Ricks, couple pick sixes, another pick against IMG. Um, his game is at a high level, and you know. He needs to continue to get better and see how high he can elevate himself. Brandon Jones out of Narbonne. I watched his tape. He's been really, really good. This kid is a natural playing defensive back. He's got the foot speed and he's got the quickness. He's got the, uh, you know, he's got, he doesn't have a thick body, but it's a, a body that can come up and tackle and make hits. But I think he's a really good football player. And he's had a really good season so far. My last one, you're going to like this, LV Bunkley Shelton. The guy's been dynamic as a safety. Terrific vision on the quarterback. Great break on the ball. Excellent ball skills. And very opportunistic. He might be leading the state in interceptions right now. What does he have? Five? I went on max preps and it only showed him with three. No, sure no, that's game. that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it said. So yeah. He had two this past week, so I, I literally, he I had, thought, wow. I thought he I had thought two he had... the week before against Narbonne. I thought he had two back-to-back weeks as well. That's why I expect right. to see him with like at least five, and it showed three. So maybe they are a week late, which is very possible. But I could have sworn, like you, I could have sworn he had two last week also. Right. 
thought I messaged him in my staff stars. Yes, you did. You did. That's a great call. Is that, is that your, so is that your forge? Yeah, Cam, yeah. Cam, LB, Elias, and, and Brandon Jones. And Brandon Jones, okay. You know, I like Brandon Jones. He didn't make my list. It's kind of funny. I, so I went to the game against Centennial. He had like three penalties called against him. Mm-hmm. And I walked away going, man, Brandon Jones is really good. Yeah. And which is weird. You wouldn't think you would be talking up, up a kid who just had three penalties called against him because he made so many other plays in the game. Yeah. But uh, my, my four, I went with Cam also. Mm-hmm. He could have easily been in that athlete category. Well, I went with Clark Phillips, as I kind of teased right. earlier. I went with Trent McDuffie. Again, you can say Bosco's best defensive player mm-hmm. so far. And then Elias Ricks, for me, is is next level. Mentioned the two pick six. Unfortunately, they were both called back. But, hey, it looks great in a highlight tape. Yeah, and there's I, no I, doubt. Elias, I go, hey, man, make sure you still put those on your tape. No one has to know that they're called back. And then just a lockdown defender playing so hard and does everything well. So uh, those would be my four DBs. Cam, McDuffie, Elias, and Clark. And listen, I'm going to tell you who was on my fringe my fringe and I think um, he really showed himself well this past week Jeremiah Cradell I think he has been a physical enforcer for that modern day secondary coming downhill laying wood on people and I love the energy I love the physicality I love the passion and it's going to bode well for him at the next level. So Jeremiah Cradell, I thought he was right on the fringe of making the team. Yeah, he had some collisions. Absolutely, for sure. He needs to he needs to put on some put on about a good twenty pounds so that he can uh, he can better handle a guy like Trey Sanders coming downhill. Yeah, <laughs> Trey Sanders is a load. That's a grown man. But here's here's Absolutely. the thing: I didn't see Jeremiah ducking man. that contact. He did not duck anything. No. He did not turn down no. that at all. There no. Was a couple of times he came in and, and Trey kind of bounced off of him. Right. Which I happens. Still admired, I still admired the fact that he went downhill yes. and put his head in there and smacked him with everything he had. Everything he had. And it, nothing but respect from Coach Key. There's no doubt about it. And he's been good all season, Greg. I mean, against Gorman, I mean, he was very physical. He was coming downhill, smacking their running backs. Um, and you can just tell he's that he's that enforcer for that defense on that back end. He sets the tone with his physical edge. And I, and me being a former defensive coordinator and a, and a linebacker, strong safety myself, I not only respect, I admire guys like that because uh, they give the defense confidence and they bring that edge of physicality that makes everybody else want to fo- step up and follow. So, um no, they got a good secondary. It's like again, I watched the game live, and then I went home and watched it again the next day on tape. And William Nemo for me popped. Yes, you know, and I, I liked him in person. But we actually were watching the game on TV. You you see a lot that you don't see from the sidelines. Sure, just because your vantage point. And he's really good. I mean, he made he came up and, and was physical, and he also made some great plays in pass defense. So they got a really good group. You know, of, of four or five guys with David Davies, Davis, Darion Green, Warren. The three guys that we've already talked about. Yeah. It's a really strong, strong secondary. There's no doubt. We talked about Coach of the Year, Chad Johnson. I'm going to go with my, uh, let's go with Defensive Player of the Year. I went with Akili Arnold, the double A. Smoke Arnold is my what I call him. Because a double A means a smoke. That's a smoke blitz, GB, if you didn't know. So, I might call him Smoke Arnold. That might be his new nickname. A Smoke Arnold. 
Akeem Dar has been fantastic, not only picking off balls and making great tackles, but also returning punts. That's part of defense. So, Akili Arnold, my defensive player of the year. Do you have a defensive player of the year, GB? I, I don't, but just just off the top of my head, I'll, I'll probably go with Justin Flo. Okay. Even though he missed the game yeah. because of the uh, the what you at the, the targeting call. Yes. But in the other games he's played, and I think he's been good enough. And uh, I'd probably say Flo, although I love Drake Jackson and, and Elias Rick. So, I guess I'll give it to those three. <laughs> how, late, how late is that? That's pretty lame. But I'm going to let you lame. slide just because uh, you're a GOAT. I'm going to go with my Offensive Player of the Year, Greg. I'm going to go with quarterback Bryce Young out of modern day. He's been fantastic for me. That 16-for-16 game was just a tip of the iceberg. I thought he was excellent versus Gorman. And I thought he really showed who he was versus IMG. The poise, the character, the precision passing, uh, the escapability, and just the, the clutch gene to not flinch in the eye of danger or in the face of adversity. Everybody knows I'm a Bryce Young guy. Bryce Young is my offensive player of the year, GB. You just did one of my pet peeves that people do when they pick all league teams. You picked a quarterback, and then you picked another quarterback to be your player of the year. Sorry. Come on. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have an offensive player of the year. If you had to go with a guy. Bryce. Yeah, just because you picked Bryce, I'll probably go with Brew. McCoy. Okay. He was, man, I'll tell you what, dude. That was a physical game. IMG, I thought, defended him pretty well. They usually had a guy in press coverage, and they were physical with him. They kind of had a safety over the top as well. He had to battle for everything he got, but he still, you know, over 100 yards, touchdown, the key catch, beautiful pass from Bryce in the back shoulder with, you know, a minute left down the six yard line. And then obviously, Brew has been great. He had the four touchdown game. Two weeks ago, when Bryce had the 16 for 16 game, so um, just to be contrarian and be different, I will go with a guy that we call Brew McCoy. Although there's probably a running back out there that has like 3,000 yards, and he, he probably deserves this award more, but I can't think of him, so I'll give it to Brew. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, Brew, I took as my Player of the Year because there's an overall Player of the Year. I think he's been dynamic on offense. He's been a menace on defense. Um, and, you know, he's just, he's been the best player in the country, probably, if you ask me. Um, he's just a unique kid, a unique football player with a diverse skill set. And a he's got a hunger to win that I love. Given this day and age of I and me and what my ranking is, he's got a hunger to win that really resonates in my ears. Uh, and that I really appreciate. And when the chips are down, I'm putting my money behind Brew McCoy to make a play. And, and that's my story, and I'm sticking with it, GB. Yeah, no, uh, I agree with all that. You know, I love the fact that he is a top five player, five star kid with a one star mentality of I don't need to go on social media and act like a clown. I don't need to beat my chest. I don't need to pop off. I don't need to do any of that nonsense. My play does the talking for me, and his play is, is always plenty good enough. So I'm a huge fan of his makeup, and obviously a shout-out to his parents, Horace and Shelby McCoy. They're awesome people, too. There's no question about it. So that's our Transparent Truth Awards 
for midseason. Of course, the season is in three phases. You have midseason, you have league season, then you have the playoffs. Uh, so for those who didn't make it midseason, league season is another opportunity. I know there's a lot of kids out there balling, and we want to make sure we shout you out and show you love. But there's only so many that can make the all-transparent truth midseason team. And uh, good luck during league season. Go out there and do your stuff, handy your business, and we'll make sure that we get some eyes on you. Without uh, kind of belaboring things, GB, it's time to get to some game recaps, my friend. What do you got for us? Yeah, so we'll go in kind of reverse order. I'm not saying that these games are not important, but Dennis Al Buchanan, we kind of went up north for a change. Uh, game much closer than expected, Keith. You had a 38-7 to De La Salle blowout. Ended up being 31-24, a one-touchdown game. Yeah. De La Salle only had the ball three times in the second half there. You already mentioned uh, Henry Toho's performance. Um very good. James Kobe had the opening kickoff return for 96 yards to the house. Jamar Garrett also had a touchdown. Potato Sal uh, for Buchanan. Kendall Milton had three touchdown runs. Big, fast, powerful kid. How many yards um, did he get, GB? I said I he would get 100. See, I did not see that. I looked at a couple articles. I could not find any stats for okay. him. I just saw that he had the three touchdowns and, and that was it. So I know one of them, I want to say, was a 70-plus yarder. So just doing the math you got to figure he probably scraped together 25 more yards somewhere during that game sure but yeah data towel led 20 to 13 at the half lost their quarterback for the second half i mentioned only had the ball three times in the second half so buchanan kind of made a, a nice little late run and and made it a game i think i don't think anyone thought again it was gonna be that close 31 to 24 so uh good job by buchanan um kendall Jalen cropper also uh kind of a big time athlete over at buchanan and then data south continues to survive in advance. They played a really tough schedule, and uh, they've beaten Gorman, they've beaten Folsom, and right now, it's looking like they're going to probably play, you know, in that state game against Bosco, Modern Day, or Centennial. Assuming it's one of those three SoCal teams, which I'm going to go ahead and assume as of today. Jeez, GB. As of today. You're killing my guys over there in Mission Viejo right now. Can you give them some sniff? I think I think Mission Viejo is going to run through their league, and they're in a great spot right now. Because shoot, you got to figure all the Trinity League teams are going to beat up on each other, and even Oaks Christian has to play Westlake and Calabasas. So I think Mission Viejo is going to go into the playoffs healthy with probably a four seed, and they look like a, a, a semifinal team for sure. So definitely not taking anything away from the, uh, the Mission Viejo Diablos. I, I love them. I just happen to like. Bosco and Modern Day, it's a little bit more. Yeah, no question. Best teams in the country, so come on. No, no, of course not. I'm just, I was just screwing with you. Of course not. Uh, You know, Michigan is on the outside looking in, but that's why you play the game. And uh, if if anybody has an insight on how to upset a team like Bosco, it might be their former offensive coordinator who spent time help building that program. So we'll see how that all shapes yeah, out. Modern day too, right? Modern, he's played them four times Absolutely. in the last two years. So he obviously has great insight to both those two teams. No doubt about it. What's our next game, GB? What you so got? Londell and Narbonne. Yeah. Uh, you had a 35-17. to 17. It was actually a pretty close 27-14. to 14. Kind of seeing some of the comments from, from Travis Clark. They had a couple costly turnovers. He thought there were a couple plays away. That's always the difference between between not to quote the great Al Pacino, the difference between winning and losing. Living and dying. That one inch. Living and dying. Separated. Yes. Yeah, it, Jordan Wilmore, rib injury, did not play the second half. Uh, still had 100 yards. So yeah. 
hats off to Jordan for running the ball as hard as he always does. But the new guys for Narbonne all stepped up. Keith, Jake Garcia, mentioned him already. Uh, Breon Penny had two wildcat touchdowns yeah. and played well in the secondary. And then Josh Jackson had six catches uh, in his debut. So uh, Steve Jenkins caught a 78-yard bomb. Uh, Aaron East had six catches. The defense had seven sacks. Uh, so Narbonne played a really tough schedule and got through it and now obviously comes the part where they win each game by 60 points and, and get ready probably for the you know for a, a regional game against somebody and I think good job by uh, Londell. Londell played Narbonne, Calabasas and Sierra Canyon and we had Travis last on the, on the podcast he said hey you know why not Let, let's play these teams we might, we might not win right now but let's play them and see what happens and so I, I love Travis I love that mentality and again, they weren't blown out in any of those games. So I think they are going to be a major, major, I don't want to even call them a dark horse. They're going to be a favorite for me. I think they're in division, is it like division five or four? Four, I don't think it might be four. Whatever division they're in, I think they got a great chance to make a long run. And I think I picked them to win it all last year over Paraclete. And they were upset early. But I think this year, that loss actually kept them in that same division. So I think they actually are in Division 5. For me, they're going to be the team to beat in that division, assuming everyone comes healthy. And hopefully Jordan Wilmore doesn't have broken ribs and he can't play the rest of the season. If he's healthy, he's playing. I, I like Londell's chances to make a run in Division 5. Yeah, there's no question about that. I really want to touch on Narbonne really quickly. Number one, Jake Garcia comes in, plays well, threw a couple screen passes that went to the house. Sounds like he was efficient, protected the football. So great job by Jake coming in off the um, transfer sit-out rule. Secondly, you know, I know there's been some things said about Breon Penny. I know that, you know, he, he had a, he's having a hard time finding his niche at Narbonne. Um, some people were questioning his ability the tape that I saw, GB, from his junior year, I saw an outstanding football player. Now, playing at Narwalk is not like playing at Narbonne. Is there an adjustment period? Is there a transition? Sure, there is. But I saw a very talented kid who was a natural football player with great football instincts. I saw that same kid show up on tape this past week. In the Wildcat, the ability to find the hole, see the hole, burst through the hole, and just make a play with the football. I like Breon Penny. And I'm sure that at some point in time, he's going to find his comfortable space on that Narbonne team. And he's going to move forward with being a really good football player and showing everybody what he can do. Um, so congratulations to Narbonne. And you know what? Congratulations to Londell. Fighting for, you know, top dog in that South Bay area. Like you said, they've taken on some pretty some pretty good heavyweights. They've represented themselves really well. I hope Jordan William, Wilmore is okay. Outstanding junior, excuse me, senior running back. Senior running back. All right, GB, let's move along. What we got? Olu Mission uh, Viejo? We are going to Mission Viejo. Nice, nice, uh, nice recap as well. I like what you had to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, throw them. I like how you've got to throw in the little screen passes. I see what you're. I see where you're going there, Keith. But hey, we'll move on to Mission Viejo and Orange Lutheran. I like a guy protecting the football, making good decisions. <laughs> Did it, trying to diminish the yard because of the screen pass. I see where you're no, going. No, no, it, it all it all counts for the quarterback, man. Hey, so this was a game, Keith. That for me, 
I mean, everyone knows the score. It was Mission Viejo pulled it out 37-35. to 35. You know, last year, uh, Orange Lou went 0-5 in league play, Keith. And I had to defend Ryan Helensky to some people who said, you know, how do you love a quarterback who can't win games? How do you go 0 for 5 in your league? And I'm saying, well, number one, the Trinity League is the toughest league in the country. Number two, and at least two of those games, I want to say the Servite game and the Santa Margarita game, was last-second drives by the opposition for game-winning field goal and game-winning touchdowns. This game, again, Ryan Helinski drives the field, they attempt a 30-yard field goal, and I know high school extra points aren't even a given, so high school field goals are definitely not a given. But I still feel like, shoot, if you're inside the 30, let's hit that thing. Right? We're not talking 50 yards. We're not talking 45 yards. We're not even talking about a 40 yard. If you're inside the 30, let's hit that thing. Yeah. Let's be a hero. Let's make it so you don't have to buy yourself lunch at your school for the rest of the year. Man, I'm not going to ever call out a kicker's name, but he got to hit that kick. Missed it. The Diablos rallied. Orange Lou was, was up significantly in this game. Got to a fast start, and they led... 28-17 to 17 after my guy Jackson Cloyd, another guy who I really like. He could have been a guy who we could have named for our, our all-linebacker team. He had a 100-yard pick six. All of a sudden, you're thinking, dude, oh, Lou has all the momentum in the world. And that's when Akini Arnold said, not so fast. And he gave the Dikemi Matumbo finger wag and said, I'm taking this kickoff back to the house. And that's what he did, Keith. So all of a sudden, you got momentum. It's 20 to 17. You blink your eye. Now it's 20 to 24. Yeah. And now Mitch got some momentum. And then he also returned a punt, as I mentioned, down to the two. Jamar Farrell, great job. Joy Yellen, great job. Defense clamped down the fourth quarter. Ryan Helinski, great quarterback. They actually held him to under 300 yards, which is kind of a tough thing to do because usually you're used to seeing Ryan going off. Al Ford held him to under 100 yards. Um, so, again, 37 to 35. I was trying like heck to follow this game on my phone. At the same time, I was watching the Marty IMG game, and it was it was hard as heck to do. But this right here sounded like it was a potential game of the year candidate, maybe a game that we'll possibly see down the road in the playoffs again. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I remember, you know, on my way to studio this morning, I listened to last Friday's matchup show. I called 49-48. Wasn't too far off. I knew it was going to be a barn burner. You got two explosive offenses, dynamic playmakers on offense, you know, coaches who like to push the tempo and really put the ball in the air. It was going to be, you know, or at least it was potential for a lot of highlight plays. You know, the star of stars, I think, what you said on your Fox Sports deal, Keely Arnold, man. Keely Arnold, he's been nothing short of fantastic for the Diablos. But that kick, got to hit that. And, and I'm sure my man will hit that next time. Yeah, as, Let's, and, on a, and like, give him some love, Chief, because I did not. Yeah. Next time, my man, you will, you will absolutely rip that kick. I, I believe, again, not going to say his name. But, dude, Mitch Viejo was really good. You know, yes. when I think about it, you're watching that Upland game, because I think Upland's pretty good. You saw him in person. Mission went through them like you 
playing against your son's Pop Warner team. I mean, that was an absolute blowout. And they got multiple weapons, not just Achilles. You know, obviously, Joe Forrest has been a huge transfer addition for them. The last two weeks, we've seen Maven Anderson kind of come aboard. Jamari Farrell, who I love, love as a sophomore, misses junior season, but he can run the ball. Then they have, uh, you know, a balanced offensive attack. Mm, Devin Woolliard. The passer. Devin Woolliard. They can yeah. rush the passer on defense. They got plenty of dudes in the secondary. Sure. Um, Mission Viejo will definitely be a, a tough out. And obviously, Chad does a great job. And he's familiar with not just Marty and Bosco, but they've played Centennial uh, the last couple of years as well. So, Mission's going to be a tough out for me. You know, probably the uh, the top, the number four team after the, the big three. Yeah, I think you can kind of lump them and Jay Sarah and Oaks Christian all together. We'll find out more about Jay Sarah this coming weekend when they play Bosco. But uh, yeah, nice job by the Diablos. They're a really good football team. No doubt. It's time to move along, GB. The game of the decade. I think it lived yeah, what up do you to think the. about that? Was that the best game you've seen in the last decade? That was a really good game. I don't know if yeah. it was the best game that I've seen in the last decade because I'm sure I've seen, you know, you know, quote unquote, better games. But that was an excellent game. It lived up to the hype. I thought the players lived up to their lofty recruiting rankings and expectations that people have for them. It was a really good game. It was a very physical game. It was a fast. It was a college level game. If you ask me, stand on the sidelines. It was a college-level game. Let's start off with IMG. Let me just interrupt you real quick. Go ahead. Have you seen Have you seen a more a more physical game than that one? Yes. Between who? De La Salle, <clears throat> Corona Centennial in Sacramento. Was it three years ago? I was with Devin Asiasi's senior year. Mm. I was there for that game on the sideline, same spot, and it was a absolute slobber knocker. Absolute slobber knocker. Every play was, it was just unbelievable collisions. If this game was on par with that, and I actually told yeah. my good friend and colleague Gary Howard, I said, then this reminds you of, you know, De La Salle Centennial. He said, yeah. And like I said, they were on par, but this was a very physical game. Starting off with IMG, their offensive line was phenomenal, uh, Greg. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Dante Lucas. Let me tell you something. Florida State, baby. Go back and watch the tape and just watch Dante (laughs) Lucas. Absolutely a killer. He was a one-man wrecking crew up front. Evan Neal... Yeah, they had a bunch of them. Evan Neal was excellent. In pass pro, he put the clamp on Brew McCoy. Brew tried to run around him, couldn't do it. He tried to run into him, couldn't do it. He just couldn't move him. And yeah, I, I get it. I keep interrupting you, but I'm, I'm right there. That was, for me, that was the one surprise of the whole game, Keith, was that Brew McCoy was non-existent in the, in the, as a pass rusher. Yeah. There were several times he didn't get off the line of scrimmage. Well, there's there's a couple reasons for that, Greg. And I've been in this situation as a player, so this is why I've got a really good perspective on it. Number one against Evan Neal as a player? No. But let me let me let me move forward <laughs> with what I'm gonna say and I think you'll be able to pick it up. You tell your tale. Yeah. 
when you're playing on offense and you're running a tempo offense that modern day does and you're out playing receiver, which they probably threw it twice as many times as they ran it at least, and you're out running routes, not only are you running routes, you're fighting off press coverage at the line, you're trying to outrun a double team, and this is happening the whole game. Then you flip on the defensive side of the ball and you're like, hey, beat this five-star, six-foot-eight, 370-pound kid. You don't have the same juice. You just don't, right? Brew gave it everything he had. He just didn't have the same juice coming off the football. And by the way, Evan Neal is a five-star prospect. A And I said this when I saw him at the Nike camp. He's going to make zillions of dollars in the NFL. This kid is a phenomenal tackle. He's not just big. He's got foot speed. He's quick. He can redirect. He's excellent in pass pro. And he did. He put the clamp on, bro. You, you gotta, it is what it is. But to Brew's credit, Evan Neal doesn't have to play both ways. Brew, as you said earlier in the show, he was exhausted. And this is why, GB. And so, uh, you know, credit goes to Evan Neal. He was outstanding. Dante Lucas was was a, a absolute mauler. And that offensive line, my I had to tip my cap. They were very, very good, GB. Yeah, no, that definitely wasn't you know it wasn't rocket science. Why Brew was struggling? Sure. You know, I, I I mentioned it earlier, just how I, that was that was the most physical secondary I've ever seen on Brew by far. Mm-hmm. They had you know a guy in his face, and then once I want to say it was DJ Turner, he got kicked out of the game, which was one of the most absurd calls I've ever seen in my life. Sure. Michigan commit, really good. Yeah. He got kicked out. Him and Brew got tussled on the, you know, in the sideline. He kind of flung Brew and got kicked out of the game. For me, that's not even a penalty. Maybe you talk to the kid, but you definitely don't get an ejection. I understand. I don't like it, but I understand the first ejection. Is, that's what they're doing now. You can't crack back in high school. That's an automatic flag. I don't like it. It was a great hit. It was Mikel Jones, who was a stud linebacker. I don't like it, but I kind of get that. But the second one was bad. Anyways, the next guy they put over on him was uh, Cavado's kid. He's going to Ohio State. He was a safety, and sure. he was being equally physical. Mm-hmm. So, no, Brew was battling. But I think I didn't come away disappointed in Brew. I came away just more impressed with Evan Neal. That's what that did. I mean, you know what? It's like the old saying, they get paid to play, too. Yeah. I mean, those guys are good over there, too. So, I thought, for me, Keith, it might have been the most physical game that I've seen yeah. live. I saw the, the very first Long Beach Poly Day La Salle game. That was the Poly Big Five against the Derek Landry team. And Nate Kenyon was on that, in that game. Maurice Jones Drew was coming out party. Right. That that game might have been as physical. But I feel like nowadays, the athletes are so much more athletic. <laughs> they just they, they run faster. Yeah, they're the bigger, they're faster, so sure. That's like every single tackle was just like a kill shot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree it was with in, you. Unbelievable, the physicality. And I think you had the game. I just deleted it, but you had a, a three touchdown game. I thought Modern Day was going to win by a couple scores. I think we both thought, or at least this is my reasoning was, and I kind of hedged my bet last week. I said the only reason why I think it will be closer is if they can do what Bosco did two years ago, yes. and that's run the ball down their throat. And that's what they were able to do. Yeah. And that's why after the game, I was going around 
telling modern day people, they weren't really happy to hear me saying this. I go, hey, I go, Bosco will be tougher. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, dude, Bosco can throw the ball. And they're going to be not as physical. They don't have Evan Neal. They don't have Trey Sanders, although I love George Lonnie. But they have the same type of, of smash mouth mentality plus mindset. A sure. A great quarterback. Yeah. And four really good receivers flash tight ends. So, but Trey Sanders for me, that was such a great performance. 170 yards on only 15 carries. Noah Kane was great. That was the best I've ever seen Noah Kane run. 122 yards on 26 carries. I'm not sure the disparity, you know, I would have flipped that as well as Trey was running it. You know, Trey had the great public turn for a score as well. Where, And again, he's a big, fast kid, but I love the feet. I love the balance. I love the short area, the subtle ability to, to not lose stride, but just to move his body in such a way to make you miss. I, I, that's why, you know, I love your Edron James comparison, but I, I do see some Marshawn Lynch from high school because Marshawn kind of had this way of kind of twisting his body in these weird mm-hmm. ways that mm-hmm. you could get a clean shot at him. That was their running game. You know, Shakobi Harper was the, the modern-day running game. Only got a 10 times at 58 yards. And, and Sean Dollars is going to – he'll be he'll have some big games for them. But in, in this kind of game, this is more of a Shakobi game, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. this is the game – you need your banger. Mm-hmm. You need your guy to run in there and, and bang it. And that's what he was able to do. You mentioned Bryce a ton already. Could be more happier. Um, not trying to sound corny, but when I saw, you know – his dad after the, after the game I felt emotional mm-hmm. because I know how much crap they've had to hear and even in the first half of this game Keith I went upstairs to go do a little Fox deal and I'm listening to fans screaming every incomplete pass what is he doing get him out of the game I'm going get him out of the game and put in who clown <laughs> I literally almost turned around and said that put in who I, I, I guess your, your son's the backup quarterback yeah right? I I don't know what they could have been watching because I thought he was. I thought his decision making was great in the first half. He, he got a lot of. Do. He it got had a, nothing to do with what he was doing. Yeah, that, that was why I right, right. felt a little bit emotional. It had right, nothing to do with Bryce. It was the fact that it wasn't JT, and and it was just like they haven't accepted Bryce yet. And in that, parents are nutty. Like again, I didn't even see him, but Adrian Clem was at the game, and the next day he hit me up and said, "Hey, I was in the stands." Uh-huh. He goes, "I couldn't believe it." Because I've never watched a game in the stands before, I couldn't believe how idiotic these parents were. Yeah, like, I've never—I didn't know parents were like that. Because every game he goes to, a game he's on the sidelines. Sure, right? sure. And, and I go, and dude, Blair went to the Michigan Viejo game. Keith, dude, he said the fans were yelling at Chad the whole entire game. Our wow. coach of the year, the game was at Michigan Viejo. They're yelling at Chad Johnson the whole entire game. It's like part of it is just fans just not knowing football and being dumb. But I just think Bryce just hasn't fully been accepted yet because he's not JT. And he, he started off the first game of the year. He missed some balls that JT would have hit. And they, they just aren't ready to accept him yet. And it was just walk up the stairs and just hearing, stop running around. Throw the, get rid of the dumb ball. Stop running around. Well, on that last drive, Keith, when he went six for six and he had to run around to, to buy time, I'm going to go ahead and assume they kind of were okay with that. So... When I saw Craig young, and I, as a parent myself, I just literally felt like a little choked up because yeah. I knew what he's going through. And I was so happy for Bryce. And I said, dude, that, that was my own kid out there. I would not be happier than I was for Bryce. I wasn't rooting for Modern Day. I, I had no dog in the fight, but I was rooting for Bryce. So I was super, super stoked that he came through and 
really, really impressed with just the grit. That was a that was a modern day win. And again, long time wall, uh, follower, watcher of modern day football. And I think people don't really get the, the culture of what modern day is. And people think, oh, it's all about transfers. It's all about Rawlinson selling out. It's all about this and that. But there's a, a different culture at modern day, and it was there when they were losing, and it was there now, and it's. It's just this mentality that they will die on the field. Blood and guts, man. And that and that is why not all transfers work out at modern day. Yeah. You gotta be that same type of Phil Dubar, Jack Genova. I, I just going old school. Kevin Mitchell, you know, Brew McCoy's got it. Jacoby Harper's got it. Matt you gotta Groot. be willing to literally Matt Grittigood. Yeah. For me, probably the best high school player I ever saw. Not the best college prospect, but the best high school player. All those guys and they showed, I don't know if you saw it, Keith, the Fox Sports Twitter sh- showed the, a speech that Rawlinson gave mm-hmm. before the ni- 1996 Bitch of Mont game. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you see that? No. Dude, I'm going to send it to you. I got goosebumps. And after they sent that, it was the Fox Sports Twitter app. It was, the moder- it was Rawlinson's pregame speech. And you saw all these former Monterey players, Matt Barkley and Matt Liner and Chris Ward saying, I'd run through a brick wall for this guy still. And... I don't mean to get all gushy because I know people hate modern day, but like again, for someone who's been watching them for for so years, and I, I get I get the culture. It is just it's tough, it's gritty, it's not always pretty, but those guys will just fight and claw. And if you beat them, like Bosco did two years ago, I mean, you literally have to kill them on the field. Yeah, those guys will play so hard and talent for talent, man for man. IMG was they had more more players, they had more better players. But somehow, man, modern day found a way to kind of stick around, stay in the game, survive, advance, and then Bryce made the big throws, clutch throws. Cody Epps caught one, Cam Garner caught one, Jacoby caught one, Brew caught one, and then Bryce, Brew said in the interview, that wasn't even supposed to be the play. Bryce totally improvised and kept it. It was supposed to be a handoff. Bryce hadn't kept it the whole entire game, and I kept saying, Bryce, one time, just keep it. Just keep it. They're not even going towards you. And he took on two guys. Pounding the ball in the end zone, it was a it was a great night. Not the best game I ever saw. I think for me, a little ugly first half, mm-hmm. penalties, right? A little chippy at times. I don't think it need to have the constant chippiness, constant jaw jacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but a really, really good football game. Fun to be at, and you know, a lot of respect on both sides after that game. Yeah, I, I can't I can't really much say anything more. A lot of respect on both sides, like you said. Trey Sanders was amazing. Noah Kane was excellent. Um, David Baldwin, I thought, flashed at times. Made a couple really good throws on the move. They just couldn't execute enough in the passing game to kind of overcome the Bryce Young magic. I mean, I don't want to take credit, but I got to have to. I nicknamed him the Magician a while back, and he was magician-like. On Friday night, and he is who I always thought he was. Uh, very interesting. Somebody asked me and others, "Who would they take?" This was last year, GB. This is 2017. Who would I take out of the 2020 quarterbacks, which is a special group here on the West Coast? And I said Bryce Young. And the reason was exactly what he showed Friday night. He does not flinch. He is a he's like the ultimate chess piece. He can do everything from the quarterback position. And 
he he really he put Modern Day on his back on that last drive. He made it happen. Brew McCoy was very good offensively. Jeremiah Cradell has set a physical tone. Elias Ricks with a big pick. Trey Sanders put his claim in for the top player in the nation. I'm not talking top prospect. He put his claim in for top football player in the nation. Trey was, he was the best player on the field Friday night. He was, he was outstanding. He was, he was next level, next level. He was NFL ready next level. <clears throat> and I was, you know, even I'm a big Trey guy and I was impressed. So that, you know, that I think that says enough. So GB, uh, I know we're running kind of overboard. That kind of does it for us. It's the transparent truth. Who breaks it down like Greg Biggins, Coach Keith? Man, you know, one, one thing, Keith, one thing we didn't, we didn't mention. Go ahead. And I don't know how we didn't. And I, again, co-sign on all of that. I was a Trey Sanders guy, but not to the degree I, to the degree I am now. Like, I am blown away. He's a generational guy for me now. But I really, really, really like watching Nolan Smith from warm-ups to the game to after the game for me. And this isn't taking a shot at anybody, but for me, you got to be a dog. You got to be a guy who goes hard. I don't care about being bored. You got to be a guy who wants to go hard every single play. And talking to Chris Ward after the game, one of my favorite guys who I covered, he's the O line coach now, mm-hmm. the best defensive end I've ever seen at the high school level. And he only had like five tackles. Yeah, it like wasn't his tackles. Yeah, that wasn't it. It was just the ability. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, it was. It was crazy. Even like. He was taking Miles, who was probably as good a pass protector as you're going to see. And again, credit Miles, man. Miles batted, battled as yeah. best he could. Yeah. But no one was putting him in the backfield on every single play. Again, Keith, what about the strategy? Do we second guess it? He only had the four or five tackles and no sacks. He got close a bunch of times. I think he, you know, he, at least he caught at least two or three holding penalties. But were you surprised? I was that they had him on Miles. Probably 95% of the game. I was tailgating with the Marty parents, including Ty Marks' his dad, before the game. We, we were all expecting. He was dead, like, hey, it's going to be Ty. It's going to be Ty and, and Nolan. We'll see how Ty does. And I only saw Nolan on the left side maybe five or six times. And we saw at the opening, Nolan's a right defensive end, right? Right. Just because, just because of who was playing left tackle, I would have thought they would have flipped it. And watching what Nolan did against Miles, Again, not taking it away from Ty Marks. I thought Ty had a good game, but he might have been able to to hit Bryce. You know, yeah, he could have wrecked the game nine or ten times. Yeah, he could have wrecked the it. other side. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what? The that was the biggest difference in the game for me. Greg was the coaching mismatch. There was a a significant coaching mismatch in the game. You look on the modern day side, Coach Dave Money. Dows up the double reverse pass to dollars for six. Dows up the tackle eligible throwback to Miles Morale, the super 2020 offensive tackle. He, those guys, those modern day coaches, they came in ready. They had a formula for success, and then they came with the, the couple aces in the hole. I didn't see that from the ING group. Now, I don't know this coach, I don't know his staff. I didn't see anything dynamic or noteworthy that said, hey, you know, these these guys put this in for this game and it's going to be a difference maker. 
They just didn't have anything like that. Even when they needed it. Last drive, I don't was it a minute to go. David Baldwin's he's back there and four incompletions in a row and they're done. It's tough. It's tough. I thought the matter they staff outdueled the IMG staff in that game. Yeah, and, and that'll happen probably against just about every staff. And I saw the same thing you did. You know, it's kind of funny. I had a little different take, and maybe this is just me being like, I don't know, too old school or something. Mm-hmm. When I see a team have to be, when I saw them have to resort to those two trick plays, mm-hmm. I said to myself, uh oh, Marty might be in trouble. Mm-hmm. So, like, they can't go toe to toe with them right now. They have to resort to these gimmick plays in order, to, in order to hang around and stay in the game. Obviously, Marty won the game, but whenever I see a team having to do that, key that's always my, whether it be high school, college, or problem. I was like, okay, it's almost like you feel like you know if you're a pitcher and you go away from your fastball, you got to start throwing curves and junk balls because you don't trust your stuff. That was my first thought when I saw them go back to back trick plays. They worked beautifully, and that was a great job by the coaching staff. But it almost felt like they were conceding for a second. Hey, we can't run our normal offense. We can't pound the ball. You know, we we got it. we don't have a secondary receiver right now outside of Brew. Yeah. We we need to dial these things up. Obviously, it worked, but uh, that was my my initial thought. But with the IMG staff, um, I, I I didn't think they had anything extra planned. I think they probably just felt like, and it almost worked. Hey, we're better. We can just go line up, smash mouth on offense and on defense. Let's blanket Brew. Let's rush the passer. Let's hit the crap out of them. And that strategy almost worked. It almost paid off. If they were just, you know, one drive away. Yeah, one drive away. It was a great game, and that pretty much does it on the Transparent Truth. GB, thank you so much, my man. We're the number one high school football podcast in America. It's not to be argued or debated. Nobody does it like we do it. Follow us on social media. Follow the show. Without further ado, let's bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town. And guess what? His name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.